1: what is up everybody welcome inside the good as charged podcast coming to you live for a saturday q a and uh, of course my name is steven i am your host joining you from uh the central coast out here in california so hopefully our uh airbnb wi-fi you know is uh doing good so joining me as always are my guys tyler and alex tyler start with you man how are you doing today
2: i'm doing very well
1: although i'm struggling to catch on to why adam Schefter still has a job Uh, yeah uh definitely you know want to send thoughts and prayers out to the haskins family um you know just a a tragic scenario i was looking at his instagram and you know he was posting some things yesterday down in florida with his teammates and things like that so um just a, a, a an awful situation you know thoughts and prayers to him uh alex how you doing man
3: uh good thoughts and prayers to dwayne haskins as well
1: yeah and uh Adam Schefter, man, you got to be better. So anyways, um, so we are here to do a Q&A as always. Uh, the Super Chat feature is enabled. If you want to make sure that you uh, get your question answered, be sure to use that. And then uh, we'll have some things to talk about the, the Kenneth Murray situation, as well as the DeAndre Carter signing uh, before we get to some of those questions. So let's start with a DeAndre Carter uh decision you know the Chargers of course deciding to go with Carter as opposed to bringing back Andre Roberts Alex what do you make of uh of this signing I know you did a video earlier this week you know kind of breaking down the Chargers options. so now that it's official uh what's your reaction to the signing of DeAndre Carter
3: um, I think it makes a lot of sense on paper. You would kind of want to bring, you know, such a fan favorite. Someone like Andre Roberts back who, you know, obviously kickstarted the the kick return game last year from what it was. Um, but I think you look at DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Carter as a guy who can contribute in the offense in the way that he can uh, run some of those end around plays. Uh, you know, he had a lot of fun with Taylor Heineke last year uh, and had his best career season as a receiver with 300 yards, I think 24 catches, something like that. Um, So I think he can, you know, contribute to your offense in that way. And also, he's not that much of a drop off from what Andre Roberts was as a kick returner. I think it's about 27.3 yards per attempt to 25.1. And he's got, you know, punt return usability there too. So you kind of kill two birds with one stone there um, if the Chargers are going to use him as a kick returner and punt returner. So I get why people were hurt by moving on from Andre Roberts, but I do think the DeAndre Carter thing makes sense at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I, I agree as long as they take Carter and use him more in the offense like you suggested. And I think they yeah. will. I was always surprised last year Andre Roberts was not involved more other than a couple end arounds. I had maybe one reception, if I recall, but otherwise not very involved. Now he did come on, you know, the middle of the year, not at the beginning, not in you know April like Carter is now. But I was surprised they didn't get him more involved. So it looks like they do have another player they can get involved in the same way with the handoffs, but also downfield. I'm um, actually impressed with some of the stuff that Carter was able to flash just in the the brief little film study I did, just looking at some of the things he was asked to do. They really pushed the ball deep with him. So I think that's a great part of the offense that the Chargers need. Uh, my, my two questions are, one, you know, why was this not a longer deal, I guess? I, I actually kind of thought they would go with maybe two years. I guess it's a journeyman returner, so maybe I shouldn't expect a longer deal. And I kind of felt like they were setting everything up to be like, okay, let's commit to a younger guy or a younger group or commit to guys for three, four years. The Hopkins deal, the Harris deal, you have Neiman for three more years, you have Rum for three more years, all that sort of stuff. And then my other question was, I forgot, so somebody else go ahead, I totally <laughs> forgot my <laughs> It's
1: all good. I, uh, I'm curious to see how this works out as well from an offensive standpoint. I think you know, when you're prioritizing this returner position, we all kind of figured that, you know, Ryan Ficken would come in and maybe target his guy through the draft. Like he did with the Vikings. Uh, I forget his name. It's uh and Gaku or something like that. Canadian Wangwu, Yeah. That's the one. Thank you. Um, so I, I kind of figured that they would want to get younger and, and maybe get a, you know, a more viable receiving option. Yeah. Like you guys are talking about. So you know, this is that same kind of thing. It's just, you know, via free agency. Um, The contract is definitely interesting. Like Tyler's pointing out, it's a one year, basically vet minimum contract. And, you know, if they are thinking of this player as somebody who's kind of on the ascent, like they have been in in other instances, obviously, then I'm a little surprised that this isn't a multi-year deal, maybe, you know, a bit more uh, of a, a reward deal after having a career season. So, I'm, I'm curious about that as well. I would love to know what Ryan Ficken and, and Joe Lombardi are kind of thinking again. And this is something that's really interesting, too, is that, you know, there's no known connections between Carter and Ryan Ficken, which is the, also the case with Josh Harris and Dustin Hopkins. So um, Ryan Ficken clearly has a plan. I just would kind of like to know more about it. And uh, but I, I think this ultimately is a good signing.
2: And for what it's worth, Ficken was also involved with wide receivers and in Minnesota to a certain extent, like assistant wide receivers or whatever it was. So him working with Carter there as well and on special teams, you know, some people weren't sure if he'd be a roster lock or not. But I think at this point, barring something, some crazy injury, I think he is a roster lock.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. But he is a roster lock, too. Um And so I think that probably gets you Keenan, Mike Williams, uh, Josh Palmer as the other roster locks. And then Mm -hmm. Jalen Guyton is a probably. So that brings you up to five. And then at that point, it's a matter of whether they want to keep five or six receivers. They kept five last year. Well, they kept four receivers last year in KJ Hill. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, no, it's a matter of whether they'll want to keep five or six. Uh, And I don't know what this move suggests in terms of like the draft and and stuff like that. But I still think wide receivers probably – on their radar, like they talked about with uh, Olave and, and Watson when those reports came out yesterday. Yeah, you know, you mentioned keeping
1: essentially four receivers.
3: You know, Tyler and I
1: were laughing in, you know, Allegiant Stadium when Roberts was out there running routes and like <laughs> Justin Herbert just like there was no chance that he was going to him in any and under any right. circumstances. So, you know, maybe that's the goal here. Maybe you get a, a more viable receiver, like I, like I, we were saying earlier, but um, I really hope that they are going to keep six receivers next year because i know everybody doesn't love Jalen guyton but he improved last Mm -hmm. year you know he was really their only speed threat and he he did become a more well rounded route runner so Mm -hmm. i'm in favor of keeping him around honestly if they're able to add another speed threat that would be great but uh i'm curious to see what this does you know like if calvin austin is on the board in the third round excuse me does this signing kind of like take him off their board like I think that's an that's an interesting draft nugget because you know austin's more of that projectable slot gadget receiver kind of player and that's probably what carter is going to be doing too
2: yeah no i definitely agree there i do want to talk about Evan asked or, excuse me evan not Evan, asked me to talk about this i watched the video on Dondre carter can you explain why this takes wide receiver at 17 off the board i don't think the signing of carter takes the wide receiver off the board at 17. i think the chargers are just going to be out of wide receiver at 17, which isn't popular, but this to me just is starting to smell like the Kaiser White situation, where everyone's going, "Well, well, yeah, why would you let Kaiser White go? That doesn't make any sense. He's a good player." But it ended up happening, right? What we want to happen isn't always necessarily what the Chargers want to do. I think the Chargers can convince themselves that they are taking a step forward on offense. They're doing that by switching out uh, Everett for Cook, which is definitely an improvement. I think if you're involving Carter more on offense, that's definitely an improvement over Roberts. Guys develop. You know, you've obviously committed big money to two wide receivers. Palmer should get better. Parham should get better. McKitty should get better. And if you address the offensive line, I think Telesco could look at that and go, hey, you know, I think we've improved on offense. Let's just focus on defense. Or take a wide receiver later on to develop when maybe Carter leaves, or if Palmer doesn't work out, or when Guyton leaves next year. I just don't think like even though we want speed at wide receiver and a lot of people are mocking, you know, Chris Olave to the Chargers at 17, I just don't buy that the Chargers would actually go do that. It would be a bit of a departure from what the Chargers usually do, which is not go for speed at wide receiver. And so I just I don't really buy it. And to me also, Tom Telesco in the first round is very predictable in terms of maybe the one or two positions he's going to go for. And right now, you know, once you get to the draft, I think it's pretty obvious. Like, okay, they're going to take a left tackle. That's why everybody was mocking a left tackle to them last year. I think this year it's it's right tackle or right guard. I think one of those gets solved pretty soon, hopefully. But to me, they're so obvious and it, it seems so predictable. Wide receiver is just not the predictable thing for them. And it's certainly not based on their history. So I think overall wide receivers off the board at 17, that they do want to get speed at receiver, but later on.
1: Yeah, you know, I I happen to agree with that. If Jamison Williams is off the board, I think Mm -hmm. if Jamison Williams is there, then I think he has to be the selection just because of the value of him potentially being the best receiver in the draft, if not for, you know, the ACL situation. And, you know, now we know that he's going to be healthy and and probably, um, you know, playing in week one. So Jamison Williams, I think, is kind of the, the BPA scenario that would, be kept alive you know with the Chargers in the draft situation so i know everybody got a little excited about um mr schultz's tweet yesterday about liking chris Olave and christian watson and listen they could certainly like those players they're really good players they're really good receivers you know christian watson is a freak who tested with a perfect RAS score um but that to me really felt like hey come get this 17th pick so we can you know so you, you guys can take one of these receivers so I'm not going to say that receiver is like completely off the board, but to me, like, I think if you're truly trying to improve this offense, like you have to get the offensive line solved. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about the interior offensive line class, you know, on our next episode, but, you know, Zion Johnson to me solves a lot of issues that this team
3: has and, and will have in the future. I still think it's BPA at seventeen. um i I don't sure, think they sure. have taken wide receiver off the board by any right. means. Uh, it's difficult because everything you're saying makes sense. But also, I disagree with the fact that Tom Telesco has been predictable in the first round because, like, I think the last two years in particular, obviously Justin Herbert, uh, and then Rashawn Slater, it's like, OK, those are our biggest needs. But like before then, it's like, OK, we're going to trade up for a running back and a linebacker and let, do like <laughs> all of these things that are, you Jerry know, words. Tillery. so yeah, Jerry Tillery, like things that weren't analytically inclined. Who's that Sioux Falls guy? Third round. Day, <laughs> first pick on day, uh, day two. In the first I think it's the... not, not overall. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I think he's been predictable in recent years. Like, I mean, uh, but Joey Bosa 2016, like, I mean, not a lot of people expected that to happen. Um, when Joey didn't expect that to happen, (laughs) yeah, Joey didn't expect that to happen. And that led to a whole contract fiasco with him. Um, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. I think that Tom Telesco has been predictable the last few years, just because their needs have been so blatant at quarterback after rivers left and then left tackle because they just haven't had a left tackle for like 10 years prior to Slater. But I still am a little bit suspicious about, uh, what kind of they're going to do there um I still think if Olave or Jameson is on the board I, I think they do end up considering it um I don't think they'll outright take that player they might just go with Trevor Penning or someone who's on the board because that's the need but um I don't think wide receiver is off the board by any means yeah no I ultimately think that you know
1: Brandon Staley truly believes that this team just needs the best player available so to a certain extent right like you know we'll, we'll transition right here to the Kenneth Murray situation Uh, obviously having ankle surgery recently and, and really just an unfortunate situation. And at this point, I just feel bad for this guy. Like he's had so many things go wrong so far at this point in his career. And this is just kind of another one on top of it. So obviously I'm hopeful that this surgery, it kind of cleans up the issues that he was having with his ankle injury, um, which clearly, you know, affected him you know, all throughout the season after injuring it against the he said against the Raiders, but he also had an ankle injury in training camp or, or at the uh, scrimmage rather. So, um, you know, a lot to take in here with the Kenneth Murray situation and, and have to point out again, uh, since Tyler was weirdly catching heat, all he was doing was laying out the time frame with that tweet. He was not blaming anybody. Uh, so I know some people were still upset about that. All Tyler was doing was laying out the timeline there. So uh, Tyler, we'll, we'll jump to you on this one. Um, what do you make of Kenneth Murray's ankles off season surgery with you know two years in a row of him having off season surgery?
2: Yeah, first off, with the tweet, like I'm not blaming Kenneth Murray for his needing surgery, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how dare he get fun. injured, right? Whatever. Uh, it, it's definitely concerning. I, I definitely don't want him to be like, I hope this does fix whatever it is because he was like, okay, eight to ten weeks let it heal I and mean, then it didn't even kind of move like it, didn't nothing changed apparently so they had to get surgery um the good news is they're not related so it's you know his shoulder and then his ankle so I, i'm imagining they're not related but it's definitely concerning murray has just had a rough start and you know 2020 was fine but then switching schemes and now the injury a lingering injury now surgery for that injury i mean it's really really concerning this guy needs to get both on the field or mentally caught up and get on the field so he can get mentally caught up and anything sidetracking him from that is going to be really really tough and so you know i hope they keep him at one spot this year but it is definitely concerning that in the span of 13 months he's had a second pretty notable surgery And that shoulder surgery was no joke it was you know watch i I don't recall exactly what it was but it was pretty gnarly like floating chips and yada yada his shoulder at this tear and that tear um an ugly injury that he definitely played with so I, I hope this is taken care of, but it's it's concerning to say the least. I don't think this makes them take a linebacker at seventeen by any means. I don't even really think it makes them take a linebacker in the third round, barring a fall. But I would start preparing. Well, okay, if 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 Murray's playing, will if he's playing the weak side as a weak side guy, I guess Trankles is backup. Ah. I don't know. Then Amon's the mic, I guess, in this defense. Like, how does this even play out? Because I'm trying to figure out what they would be looking for in this draft. Because so Murray would be the weak side guy. Yeah. That's what he was last year. Yeah. But then he he was was there. It's so hard to tell at the end of the season, he was playing edge. So I wish I knew more about his role. So, like, would they be looking for a mic, even though Murray's the one that's hurt?
1: Yeah. I think you, in terms of the weak side linebackers, you would have Murray, Tranquil, and Neiman. Mm -hmm right so if you're trying to replace you know kaiser's role as the mic and also kind of help out or provide competition for Eamon, then you're adding a mic anyway so Mm -hmm. i mean the good news is that losing murray potentially isn't as serious as losing kaiser obviously because you have tranquil and, and neiman who they both like but yeah, this this is a, a really unfortunate situation for him. I mean, he had a good rookie season, and we were all really excited about it. We all really liked the draft pick. He has the surgery. He struggles last year. Has the injury. Now he has another surgery. So, you know, it's really unfortunate for him. You know, as somebody that we were all really excited about at one point, but this is this is not going to change this team's philosophy. Like they are not going to you know, rush and pick Devin Lloyd or N'Kobe Dean at 17 if they're there. Like, that's just not going to happen because this team just does not value linebacker in that way. And listen, man, like everybody who listens to this show knows I would absolutely love Devin Lloyd on this show. I would probably get his jersey in every possible color the second that it became available. But it's just not going to happen. Like, Brandon Staley does not value linebackers in that way. So I think they could certainly address the linebacker position early day three as opposed to like not at all or late day three with some kind of project but you know they're not going to draft a linebacker with their first two picks when they don't have a second rounder like they need to get two starters at premium positions with those two with those two first
3: picks and that's just not
1: what that's not how they view linebacker at this point
3: yeah, I, I think the idea of the Chargers taking Devin Lloyd is funny just because Steven and Tyler are going to be at the draft live and if <laughs> Devin Lloyd walks on the stage, I think Steven will just, despite his knees, just start floating into the air, <laughs> levitating as the light embraces his body and he'll just he'll have a lot of fun and we'll get a lot of great content out of it. Um, but, Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I don't think that the... Oh, God. Um I, I don't think that this changes their philosophy much at all, like uh, Steven said, but like, this is another thing we were just talking about on the show about when we talked about our linebacker rankings, just like, oh, they really believe in Amon Bamiga. They they really <laughs> believe in Kenneth Murray. And it's just like, that's really hard to sell to me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. Kenneth Murray's had these back to back, you know, uh, consecutive seasons with, you know, off season surgeries um and mm-hmm. <laughs> pong Amiga was not anything special last year granted you know he d- played his best kind of as an undrafted free agent um but no i think it's just a really tough tough sell and that's why letting kaiser walk uh, was hard because it's just like now you're depending on you know some sort of like uh, kenneth murray who's been banged up and not really too dependable over the last couple of years now another surgery and now we just kind of gotta hope he can fit into the scheme and hope he's healthy by the time the season starts and hope they don't move his positions around and hope that other guys don't get hurt. Right. So there's just all these like Mm -hmm. contingencies. I think that like have to work for Kenneth Murray to be, you know, a very serviceable, good linebacker, one, like we all want him to be that I just, uh, I just don't buy it right now, but I hope it works out. I hope he is healthy and I hope he's the player that we drafted him to be. Yeah, I'm curious to know
1: about the timeline here. Obviously, we, we haven't really gotten one. I mean, he just had surgery, so mm-hmm. I would expect him to, like, be ready for training camp at the absolute best. But, you know, I, I would imagine that he misses some time this year. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. as soon as we have that update, you know, we will have it for you. But, um, you know, I think one player here that I would potentially be really interested in are a couple players that we talked about from our linebacker episode. I think Brandon Smith would be a fantastic bet here, you know, with the with the physical tools. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think DeMarco Jackson would be from Appalachian State and be another guy that I'd be interested in. He kind of fits the mold uh, of, you know, those day, those day three picks that Tom Telesco has traditionally valued. He was a standout at the senior bowl. You know, he has the physical tools. He has the RIS score. I think he was a former safety in high school. So mm-hmm. I think DeMarco Jackson on day three would, would make some sense as you know kind of throwing it out there for uh, a potential draft pick.
2: Yeah, it would be a bit of a pigeon. I still think Brandon Smith works better as that weak side guy to keep him clean, let him run. But he did play Mike last year, and so he could only get better there. He looked good there. We graded him well there. So it's it's definitely possible. Um, Thomas Martinez pointed out Malcolm Rodriguez in the chat. It's Definitely a couple of guys I have not watched yet. Yeah. I think they kind of have to take a day three linebacker at this point though
1: yeah I just think you have you have too much uncertainty so you know heading into the draft even after losing Kaiser I was kind of expecting maybe one of the sixth or seventh round picks to be a linebacker special teams kind of player again like Nick Neiman but uh you know I I think that obviously gets moved up again not not first or third round I think the Chargers need to get starters like premier starters uh, in, in those first two picks you know, potentially like an offensive lineman, uh, some kind of DB or a receiver, a running back, you know, as much as people will hate that. I do think that running back is in play in the third round. Um, two offensive linemen, an edge rusher in the third, something like that.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. So uh we will open it up for questions, obviously. At this point, we'll we'll go through and uh choose some that we have seen already. Otherwise, uh super chat feature is enabled. So uh Hit us up with your best questions related to Kenneth Murray, the draft, whatever you guys want to uh, talk about, we'll get to.
2: I, I low-key want to talk about Tyler Linderbaum, but I kind of also want to save it.
1: Oh, we got to save that for tomorrow, man. Or for, our, for Monday, Monday, I should say. <laughs> NSN said he's putting money on us having a linebacker controversy midseason. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me. What would that look like, do you
2: think? Like, do you mean like someone's injured and we don't know how to start? Or like Murray is terrible
3: and he needs to get pulled, but they won't? Just all of them being bad. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, that's the controversy.
1: I mean, I I think. (laughs) <laughs> drew i think drew is a good starter right like i, I think we know that he, that he probably is the safest player there i don't know if he'll be a, a technique like technically a starter right but I, i'm comfortable with tranquil starting man i really am it's just the, it's just the other players like you know i think we all really like nick neiman and uh they like Eamon agua when a whole lot but i, I, I think At least one of those two players will develop more in year two than we saw last year
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: yeah Leo Chanel did ragdoll entirely in the bar man that was that was a fun thing to watch from a Leo Chanel standpoint anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) um original one really wants us to sign Daryl Williams from Buffalo I mean at this point I will take anybody like literally anybody (laughs)
2: A lot of people asking about Stingley. This one's from Reality Check. Would you tr- rather trade up for Stingley or stay put and take best player available even if we take a corner at 17? I'm fine with
1: them taking a corner at 17. I think trading up for a corner and a corner who is <laughs> a little bit risky. Uh, I, I, like I, I think the whole point of the first round is obviously adding premier talents, but also mitigating risk as much as you possibly can. So to me, like the idea of trading up for Derek Stingley is just not something that I would really be interested in due to the kind of risk around him. And then you're trading assets to go get him. So, I mean, they clearly like him. They're they're a fan of him, obviously. You know, Brandon stingley would not be at that pro day if he were not. But if he's there at 17, I'm cool with it. But trading up for him, uh, I, I think I would be out on that, especially because you know at this point it's it's sounding more and more likely like the vikings or the washington football team are going to take him at 11 or 12 so Mm -hmm. you'd have to jump all the way up from 17 to 10 if you want Derek stingley and that's
3: just not uh, i'm not interested in in that at all i'm not a fan of trading up for Derek stingley but i'm also not a fan of trading up in general like I just think there's too much talent that's going to be on the board at 17 like regardless of who's there whether it's a wide receiver whether it's a cornerback offensive tackle whatever position they want to go for corner um that I I just don't think trading up like in general makes sense
2: also I I did see this and I did have a question about this one from Todd Miller thoughts on Popper saying Pipkins may get some time at guard I saw that in his article and I, I had to like do a double take because I don't Have they even touched him at guard this entire process? I mean, he's their swing tackle. I don't buy them. It was it was a weird inclusion for sure. Which article did
1: he say this in? uh, Oh, I don't remember. Six questions that need be asking or something.
2: No, it was like I think it was like sometime this past week. I remember seeing that like towards the end. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Pipkins at guard? Like he has tackle feet? Don't we know that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean the the issue with. Trey Pipkins playing guard is that he's bad <laughs> <laughs> like this this whole idea of like taking somebody who is struggling to adapt to the position that they, yeah, are mm-hmm. naturally born to play is that then you are just putting him in in more uncertain circumstances, right? Like mm-hmm. so Trey Pipkins is this developmental tackle, and then you're gonna switch in positions to a complete completely different position like. That's just not how you develop players at a high level. So,
3: yeah, know. we didn't learn from Kenneth Murray. We're just going to do the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Pipkins, I, at edge. I think. I mean,
1: I know. I think Pippen's Pipkin's issues are are all strength and anchor related. Like, you know, that's that's the biggest issue that Trey Pipkins has, and he's not super explosive off the ball. So, all of those issues that he has would all be amplified at guard where you do have to be super explosive off the ball. You have to have a strong anchor. You have to be a really powerful run blocker. And that's just not what is happening. So um, I I think he's pretty clearly a tackle.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Can we please block this user?
3: (laughs) Um...
2: Oh man, I did have a question. Okay, just because we're talking about this Pipkins guard switchback thing, so Manyweather Duke Manyweather a couple of times hinted sort of last year that the team, like some teams, reached out to him for advice about certain players, especially in the draft, obviously. And I do think the Chargers value Duke Manyweather's input. Obviously, they got Slater, Abuji's from there. They sent Pipkins to work with him. Do you think? This is very different. So I know Duke is huge against putting players at tackle and their right tackle, moving them to guard just because you think you'll fix it, moving them to guard or switching players from left side, right side, like we saw with Sewell. Do you think, now, this, now Filer is not a rookie. It's very different. And he has played right tackle before. What do you think Manyweather's stance would be on someone like Matt Filer switching from left guard to right tackle like that? Or do you think he would advise the Chargers if the Chargers are even taking his advice? But if they are, what do you think you would advise them to keep Filer at left guard?
1: Yeah, I think Duke's whole thing is obviously getting players to perform at their best and where they are most comfortable. And so I, I think that Duke would look at them at Fyler's situation and say, okay, this guy just had a career season for you at guard. He mm-hmm. had his best season of his career at guard for you in your scheme with your players surrounded by, you know, Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley. So sure, you could, you know, go back on his experience at right tackle, but then you run the risk of him being a worse player for you. And then Mm. obviously cutting him down the road. So I I think from a player development standpoint, from a Matt Fyler standpoint, I'm not interested in moving him. And I think Matt Fyler wouldn't have no interest in being moved either again, because he just had the best season of his career at guard in this scheme so to me like the team might want to move matt filer but i think if you asked filer if you asked duke manning whether you know what their stances would be in moving a player like him is that hey i'm comfortable at left guard or he's comfortable at left guard why would you risk him being worse at a different position
2: yeah no i agree i, I just think that's a part of the equation we're not talking about as much Where again same thing oh let's just put him at right tackle but like there's people involved. There are, you know, voices of reason. There are, you know, coaches, there are the players involved, like you said, Filer. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that is money
3: involved too.
2: Also money. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: like he's making 7 million per. So it's not like he's making, you know, by any means like a cheap, right. Mm -hmm. You know, right. Tackle contract. But you know, if, you're going to ask a player to move to right tackle. Like I think you do have to, you know, give him a more heavily incentivized contract to do that Mm -hmm. because they paid him to be a guard. As far as we know.
2: Question. Who are your guys' favorite prospects in the draft? Like the most fun
1: to watch. Um, the most fun players outside of the Utah ones that I have watched. (laughs) Um, Leo Chanel is definitely one of them. Yes. <laughs> I would say Damian Pierce was one of them. I would say Zion Johnson is one of them. And I haven't gotten to him yet, but uh, that Marquise Hayes guy, that the clips that Tyler posted yesterday, man. Dude. I, that guy seems legitimate. And then uh, Andrew Booth is one as well that, that I'll throw out there.
2: Yeah. Marquise Hayes, man. Like, Whew. It, it, there are problems, for sure. Like He's not a first-round yeah. grade by any means. But, boy, was that a fun watch. Him against Baylor. Watch him do the same thing against Nebraska, too. Uh, this dude, it's a weird thing with TDN this year, the draft network and their boards, because I didn't include him on my list. I didn't include him on our composite rankings. I didn't do any of that because I usually take guys in their top 250. I don't want to go through 450 guys. He's at 350-something on TDN's board. He's Brandon Thorne's number four interior offensive lineman. Now, granted, everyone can see a, a player differently, but I'm going to bet that Brandon Thorne's interior offensive lineman four should be better than 351 on TDN's board. So um, yeah. he was a lot of fun, though. It There are some... <laughs> this is going to maybe not sell some people. There are some Trevor Penning-like issues. Not the asshole nature of him, but some, you know, playing high yada yada but he's a guard and he's going to go in round four which is very different than pending at 17 um I, I do really really like marquis a lot of fun
3: yeah i mean i'll, I'll go with kind of all my guys uh jerome ford tyler's favorite uh, one of my favorites to watch this class <laughs> uh... how
0: is he your oh god okay um <laughs> <laughs>
1: wasn't he, I mean, on, he had... wasn't he on that all ceiling list uh of the bootleggers though
2: Yes, all three of our RB ones were on the all ceiling list. There
3: you go. Oh, I mean, that's good. Well, at least we're going in the right, right direction, I think. Except Tyler doesn't think I am. But <laughs> uh, I no, I like. Uh, I mean, obviously, I like Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah. Sky Moore is like I didn't know who that guy was, and mm. then I just watched mm-hmm. him, and you know that wide receiver was the first group we did. So that was like really before Sky Moore propaganda hit. Uh, and now he's like being talked about as a potential first round back end guy, uh, which is, is crazy to me considering where he started. Cause I was like, "Oh, we can get him in the fourth round if we sneak it. And now it's like, Nope, we can't do that. Um, so he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Um, I mean, I, I really liked, uh, we haven't done cornerback yet, but um, I mean, sauce Gardner is a lot of fun, even though we have no chance in yeah, hell of yeah. getting him. Uh, he's yeah. going <laughs> to be the first quarterback drafted probably except maybe Stingley. Um, but he's a lot of fun to watch as well. So, I think there's a lot of fun guys. Yeah. So circling back to
1: one of the questions here, uh, Lorenzo asking if Brendan Hymas was drafted to be a backup then. So um, I think these day three picks, there's obviously a lot of give and take here. I think ideally you're drafting them to potentially become a starter. Um, And I think Brendan Hymas showed enough in the preseason that, Hey, like he can handle the transition to guard and he can eventually become that starter. But there's there's no guarantee that somebody who's drafted on day three actually does become, you know, a verified starter. And I think if you're looking at this draft, for example, you know, I want this team to draft Zion Johnson like pretty badly and we'll get to him a little bit more on Monday. But like the idea of drafting the best guard in the draft does not necessarily say, hey, like Brendan Hymas was a wasted pick or anything like that he can still be a very valuable asset to your team. Like we saw with Scott Questenberry, be a, one of the better backup centers you know, in the league, if you will, who started some really valuable games for them when Mike Pouncey uh, was injured. And so it was a player that we obviously all wanted to start over Dan Feeney. Um, so there's definitely value in having Brendan Hymas to be a backup. I do think he could be a starter, right? Like I think if you want to kick Matt Filer to right tackle, you can bring back Odey Abuji, for example, and let Hymas and Abuji, you know, kind of battle it out in training camp and see who really is the starting right guard or left guard or whoever you want to work it. And then after Abuji leaves, then in year three, then you're looking at Brendan Hymas as a potential starter. So I think it is important to keep in mind, like with these day three picks, most of them are drafted as like a two, three year project. Most of them are drafted to be a backup, a serviceable player, depth player. So not to say that he can't ever be a starter, but, you know, I think the earliest that Brendan Haimes is going to be starting for this team, barring injuries, of course, would be next season, not this season.
3: It, it all it all depends, I mean, on how they want to kind of work the offensive line too, right? Are they going to bring a bushi back? Are they going to invest, you know, first round pick into an offensive guard potentially? Um, so I I think Haim is one of those pieces where you just kind of stash him for now. And if an opportunity comes where somebody gets injured or, you know, they just really don't figure out guard, then there's always potential for him to start. But um, I I think he more than likely is a backup. And I think it's just harder with offensive line anyway, because optimally you want to be playing the same five guys all year, right? Like that's what everybody hopes for with their offensive line. So if Jaimez isn't a starter at the beginning of the season, and we don't think he will be, then we don't want him to see the field because that will mean someone got hurt, right? It's not like receiver where I think you can draft a guy in maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And it's like, okay, well, this guy's really starting to flash some stuff in training camp. We want to get him more reps more reps each game. Um, I think that's a little bit of a different nature to it. And you can kind of, you know, plug and play receivers as you do, which is, I mean, that's just harder to do with like an offensive lineman you took in the fifth round.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at some of their former players, like Chris Watt. He started, when well, we got to week four, and he started, although he was a third-round pick. Sam Tevi barely started his first year. I think it just was that one or two games. And then 2018, he got to start. So it's just kind of however the situation plays out. Like Alex said, it just kind of depends. Like, whatever plays out. Um, I don't think he was drafted to be a backup by any means. Um, I will say that Duke Manyweather, again, probably selling his guys, but you know, said that Hymus was developing nicely whatever that means um, he's hearing good things about his development
1: i think is what it yeah. was
2: so uh, who knows maybe they are really high on him we never know
1: yeah i mean like if you go into this season with starters as you know slater hymas lindsley zion johnson and matt filer like i would be pretty fired up about that i think that's a really good offensive line you have the two young pieces to develop with you know, your are two all pros and then Matt Feiler, who's really, really solid. So um, I, I think it all depends, but I think when you're drafting these players in the third, in the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, you're ideally not asking them to start right away. You know, James C pointed out Sam Tevy. Sam Tevy wasn't drafted to be a starter. Like they, the team had yeah. Joe Barksdale on the team and Russell Okung on the team. And then <laughs> shit hit the fan. And so Sam Tevy was all of a sudden starting. So, You know, I I think it just kind of depends on the other circumstances, but ideally you give these third, these day three picks time to develop and, you know, be able to, you know, become those players that they are drafted to and not have to rush them onto the field. I think it's a similar thing with Chris Rumpf, right? Like you're letting Chris Rumpf develop for two years before you can kind of really see if he's a starting caliber player. Lots of offensive line questions today. Of course, I love that, so. Yeah, keep asking him. <laughs> uh NSN did ask,
2: you know, can you try to get more of the team members, especially Ode, who we already had? File to the podcast. I will say there's a certain long snapper on the team who is down to break down film on a live stream. Uh wow. so we have an uh, Mr. Josh Harris on a live stream. Wow. The, the highest paid at his position. Wow. Um, so he's moving. Right with now. the pole, that boy there we go right now but we'll uh we'll
1: figure it out so
2: yeah really moving up with (laughs) um
1: you know what we're we're getting there I mean we're we're always trying to add these players I mean getting to a Derwin James a Justin Herbert is going to be very difficult obviously Joey Bosa like you have to go through a bunch of hoops to get those kind of top tier players but uh I mean we're always trying you're we're always sending DMs to all these guys and and Mm -hmm. emails to their agents and things like that so uh, it's not for a lack of trying, especially right now with the focus on the draft. Like, you know, that's that's kind of where our attention's at. So, um, you know, after the draft, before the season, we'll definitely try to uh, get a lot more players on for sure. I'm hoping that we've interviewed and Maddie and I, Stephen Galt, interviewed 40
2: whatever prospects. I'm hoping one of them joins the Chargers. Like, yeah, at some point, we're going to have some
1: odds work out here. Right.
2: They have volume 10 picks.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, we're yeah. just we gotta here. we gotta get gene delance on the on the team that'd be nice that would be nice one of uh the people Matty
2: interviewed towards acl at the packers uh camp yesterday oh that's right
1: the fullback yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and then people were really ex- like, excited about him there's a lot of people saying nice things about him so who knows uh, I'm not having Gabe Neighbors on the podcast at this point. I think I've burned it <laughs> um, as man. joke. No, no,
3: no, 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 no. If Gabe Neighbors says he wants to come on, you let him come on. All right. I sat, He's got here, after- the I sat here after all the shit I talked about Larry Roundtree and interviewed him face to face. If I could do that, <laughs> you could do that with Gabe Neighbors. <laughs> at least Larry Roundtree's active. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, Kasim
1: Osgood's brother was in uh, Old Town Clovis. Interesting. That's where I live. Interesting. Hmm. Um, All right, let's get to some more draft questions here. (laughs) Is this about your sister? No. The the sister thing was um, uh, M.A.K. Eggbole. It was not Kate Neighbors. (laughs) All right nimbus a what round do the chargers go after an edge or an interior different defensive lineman what do you think there alex
3: uh edge or interior i don't think it's the first round unless like they want to take a chance on a Jabo falling and i don't think they're going to go after jordan davis or any of those tackles so probably i mean i think edge is probably harder in the third round now because you have the mac trade so if that hadn't happened and you know maybe they re-signed uchenna to a short-term deal that could have been a possibility i'll say for defensive linemen i'll say probably third or fourth round um edge maybe a little bit later but also depends on what value is on the board yeah i haven't done a whole lot of work on this
2: edge group personally so it's hard for me to tell exactly but um i I think if they're going to pick one earlier it'd be edge not interior defensive linemen and i don't think yeah I really don't think interior defense alignment is in play for them until late day three when they find like, oh, you know, we need another guy to replace Gaziano or potentially replace Fajoka. I think that's kind of your max. I, like a lot of people, I know Michael Peterson just did that you know, mock draft, having them take Devontae Wyatt, but like Jerry Tillery is the starter for this team. That's not going to change. That's just not going to change. So I don't think any the first round, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's really going to happen in the third round, to be honest. I, I think it's just going to be A ways for interior defensive linemen
1: yeah i think there's a slight chance that jermaine johnson would be on the board at 17 like really really slight um you know especially if there are some quarterbacks going in the in the top of the draft like unexpectedly. so you know like if the saints trade up to five and take malik willis like i think that obviously changes things but um i think that i'm not gonna completely rule out jermaine johnson at 17 i like i said very slight possibility um edge rusher i think would be in play third fourth round i think that's kind of the the last little stretch that you can find a viable starter and they do need an edge three like pretty badly <laughs> so um your defensive line they met with the kid from uh missouri state i forget his name um johnson johnson, johnson. yeah who was at the senior bowl and also did the NFL PA bowl i think oh. um so I think that uh a Rike from Iowa State could be in play. You know, obviously Jay Rogers was at uh his pro day, but that to me is is like fourth round at the earliest. Whereas so I do think third round is in play for edge rusher, obviously, first round if Jermaine Johnson falls. Um, but yeah, interior defensive line has probably pushed down them to push down the board at this point with uh all of the signings that they have uh made there. God, Jermaine Johnson's there at 17. Oh, God.
2: Yeah. It's going to uh, suck because we're going to be at the draft, and they legitimately might pan to you, me, and Arjun and our reactions. <laughs> yeah. And I really don't know what's going <laughs> to happen. Like,
3: Please. Like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, Tereso asking about what is what is your guys' worst case scenario in the draft? The absolute worst case that I can think of is trading up for Trevor Penning. Bernard Ryman at 17.
2: So just not off, just not off (laughs) to tackle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't like Ryman at seventeen, especially like OT four, OT five at seventeen. At that point, assuming Penning goes earlier, yeah, they mean they might actually have to trade up for Penning if they want him, which is the worst case scenario for sure.
3: Um, my worst case scenario is OT at (laughs) seventeen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> listen like i'm not a big i'm not a
1: big penning guy but i would understand obviously like mm-hmm. why you take him i think you know he he obviously has been training with duke Manningweather. they need a right tackle he does have the athletic upside so if they draft him at 17 i'm like okay with it i guess i'm not advocating for it by any means if they trade up for trevin penning then that would be absolutely disgusting yeah, I'm just bracing for Trevor Penning at this point. Uh,
2: <laughs> I, it's here's here's really what it comes down to. The guys who know offensive linemen like Trevor Penning, Daniel Jeremiah likes him, Duke Manyweather, Brandon Thorne, they all like Trevor Penning and they have him going about that range. So at some point I have to trust them and Manyweather having him, you know, we're not going to see this new man, you know, this new Penning if he's on the Chargers until, you know, August or whatever. And things might change, so uh, you never know.
1: Yeah, I'm still holding out that Charles Cross falls, man. If if Charles Cross were that yeah. pick, I'd be so happy.
3: Yeah, Charles Cross is the only guy that gets me to reverse my no TN17 take. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but I, I think in general, like you can hopefully find a, a a quality starter there later on. Like to me, I think. I'd rather take my chances of, of drafting one in the third round and taking a Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green at 17 and just getting a certified legitimate starter at guard and, and just kind of waiting for the tackle later.
3: Let's let's flip this. What's the best case scenario for each of us in the draft? Oh, Charles Cross, 100 percent Okay. Yeah, realistically
2: Charles Cross. I I could even make a case for Zion Johnson as a best case scenario because it's like you probably adjust right tackle at some point in free agency, so now you have Zion Johnson as one of your guards or whatever. Um, That'd be great. Best case scenario. Uh, I mean, yeah, Jermaine Johnson obviously would be freaking awesome. Cross. Yeah. Is a corner really like a best case scenario for me? Like I, I it, even if it's a great player, well, I, I guess yeah. If it's Sauce Gardner, <laughs> um, trading back to be honest, like trading back and taking somebody is the best case scenario. Okay. What about yours, Alex?
1: Uh, wide receiver.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all of the wide receivers: Garrett Wilson, Alave, Jameson Williams, all of them.
1: Oh, that's too funny. Um, just best case scenario is Steven choosing the offensive tackle and Alex choosing the receiver. Yes.
3: Very beautiful. <laughs>
1: um but i i think in, in you know if you're looking at this draft i think there is kind of a drop off like i will have a first round grade on zion johnson but i think if you're looking in terms of like getting a premier player i think you're talking about uh charles cross fall a jameson williams fall a jermaine johnson fall and so i think those three players would be kind of worthy of best place best case scenario and i think after that then you're talking about zion johnson chris olave andrew booth trevor penning in that same kind of mm-hmm. instance and uh i wrote a whole thing about jordan davis yesterday for lafb if you missed that please go check it out that's my feelings there are are all pretty laid out but uh again i would i would jordan davis is somebody that I would i would understand them drafting but i don't think it qualifies as a best case scenario in my opinion
3: I'm happy yeah, that Jordan Davis is probably projected to go above 17 at this point. So we've stopped talking about it and stopped beating it into the ground. But yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: this guy sent in a couple of super chats. Andrew Dang asking if we need mods for our channel. If not, that's totally cool. Um, What's a mod?
3: Know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone Alex... who reads the comments and filters them and and you know blocks people. He, he would basically be doing your job instead of making your you know head explode.
2: <laughs> that I'm not gonna lie I didn't think I didn't think he meant moderator. Oh, like it a modifier a moderator okay. yeah a
3: moderator okay
2: yeah. <laughs> I think I meant mod like for a car like a facelift for our channel because <laughs> no. like our pictures are like me without any facial hair Alex 65 pounds ago Steven the same oh, god we I'm need to change the cover jersey. photo <laughs> on the channel <laughs> yeah, we need to
3: that. change the panner
1: <laughs> Steven looks the same that's cool <laughs> <laughs> in a good way
3: you age Fantastically over the last yeah. year. Steven, Steven looks the same. Me and Tyler have been through it. <laughs> <laughs> Science. <laughs>
1: um, good super chat question from Sean O'Brien. Who's your favorite third round LT? Um, I think Abraham Lucas is kind of past that at this point. He's getting a lot of second round hype. Mm-hmm. A lot of Broncos writers think that he's in play for the Broncos second round pick. Uh so yeah, Max Mitchell would be there. Um, let me pull up my
2: lists. Kellen Dish has moved up a bit for me from Arizona State, especially because he tested so well. I always just thought he was solid, like a solid dude. Yeah. He, everyone says he has good movement skills. I think he probably does. And he's not bad, but he tested better than I would have expected. So
3: we got, I mean, probably Kennard, Mitchell. I mean, those would be, those would be fun. Abraham Lucas, like uh, Steven said, you could maybe trade down bike thief. Um, That, that would be <laughs> Rashid Walker. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, th- those are kind of like my third round options if they want to go there. But. Yeah, Deesha's a good one. I, I think,
1: you know, the-, the thing there is you're ideally hoping to be able to beef him up a little bit. Um, Braxton Jones from Southern Utah, probably early in the third round is a bit of a reach, but uh, I think he's got some really interesting physical tools stood out at the Senior Bowl, which again, we know is something that Tom Telesco really likes um i forget his first name uh stuber from michigan i think is an interesting offensive lineman in general because like he's i think he's like six seven but he does have shorter arms so i'm curious to see kind of how the nfl evaluates him whether it's a tackle or or maybe he's kind of um kind of an interior prospect so uh, that's somebody that i'd be interested in drafting in the third round as well but I don't know if he's like a verified tackle or not. Uh, Andrew I think, Stuber. Andrew Stuber.
2: Yeah, I think TDN has him as a guard and Thorne has him as a guard. Somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Is it? His 21st ranked card or interior offensive lineman. I wasn't a yeah. big Stuber guy because he kind of
1: feels like a non-mobile gap scheme sort of guy. But you know. yeah. Get an interesting weekend. one too to keep an eye on. I haven't watched him yet, but Zach Tom from Wake Forest has like basically identical measurements to Rashawn Slater, and Ben finnell actually comped him to like a poor man's Rashawn Slater in terms of his technique and things like that. So, uh, hmm. you know, one actual Rashawn Slater and one mini Rashawn Slater would not be you know the worst thing in the world. Yeah, think a bit with that
2: from SoCal Bolts fan since telesco always takes the highest rated player in the first round who do you think the top rated players are on the chargers board at 17 devin lloyd <laughs> like honestly
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i, I
3: mean think... i i would yeah I, I would just imagine that the chargers board is pretty similar to other boards like i don't think it's going to be radically different it's just going to be you know which which position do they think they need and you know, if we're talking about wide receivers, for example, right, they might prefer a Chris Olave over, you know, a Garrett Wilson, right, because they feel like they need more uh, team specific speed, right? Or if you're talking about offensive tackle, right, who's ready more to play right now versus who's a project. So I mean, I think I think it's probably fairly similar to the consensus. I don't imagine it's too different.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, In terms of their board at 17, like I feel like Zion Johnson would have to be pretty high mm-hmm. because like he has that versatility, he has that senior role standout experience. He can play all three spots in the interior. I have to think that Zion would be pretty high. I would have to think like Devin Lloyd would be pretty high, but again, you know, the positional value. Staley loves defensive backs, so maybe Daxon Hill or somebody like that would be higher than we are all thinking. Maybe Andrew Booth is higher than we think. You know, I, I think, I think Brandon Slady's board and Tom Telesco's board are probably pretty different.
3: Yeah. I mean, do they always take the highest rated player though? I mean, I seem to remember Jerry Tillery pick somewhere in there, but he had, oh, he was their last first round grade. Really?
2: Wow. And that's and that's what Telesco said.
3: said after. Yeah. Mm. i mean he was our
1: last first round grade but sure yeah so i was looking at uh i don't know if i should say this or not yeah
2: oh
3: well what is it (laughs) you you can't just say i don't know if i'll say it's not it's nothing
1: nothing like (laughs) intel wise it's not a sourcing or anything like that but um so i was i was writing that jordan davis article and i was looking up like statistics of like vita vea Derek brown Tevin and brian like these other like run stuffing nose tackles right and just like how jordan davis would compare to those players and then like just out of curiosity i was like okay like let me go look at jerry tillery's run stuffing statistics would oh, you guys know have you guys looked at this
3: no no exactly. this is so I,
1: I i was not super into like you know talking about the chargers or anything like that at the point of when jerry tillery was being drafted but uh Jerry Tillery's run stop percentage, uh, his last year at Notre Dame was four point six, which was like <laughs> if you filter if you filter it to no, uh, it if you fil- if you filter to fifty percent of snaps, it was like hundred ninetieth in the country. <laughs> and he had like three hundred snaps, so it wasn't like he was playing a very minimal amount of snaps. Like he had like seven run stops and like a four point six run stop percentage his last year at Notre Dame.
2: But he stomped on USC. So.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. I saw oh, that and, and it was and like
2: 24% miss tackle rate. Sweet.
1: <laughs> it's like shocker. That player did not become a
3: viable run defender. Oh my gosh. I'm trying. I'm trying to like think in my head. Like, how much? Mo- if, if he made seven run stops, how many run stop <laughs> opportunities did he have? And that, if it's four point six percent, that must be like around two hundred. So, I don't know. Somewhere around there. So he had twenty run
2: stops in uh, oh, 241 20. run defense steps Snaps. Okay. okay. So it wasn't seven, but the run stop percentage was really low. Right. The thing yeah. is, we all believed you because
1: that's Jerry Tillery. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i saw that so the the i don't know if i should say this comment was i don't know if i wanted to like pile on
3: on jerry tillery or not but uh yeah that was, that we, was we already do it on the show it's fine he's not coming on for an interview <laughs> oh 410 east coast jerry tillery
1: dj fluker as worst first round pick by tom telesco i mean i happen to think that fluker wasn't awful i just think he was playing yeah, at the too. wrong position from the start and i think if they had re-signed him you know he would have been uh, a decent guard for them, but worst first round pick? I got to look this up.
3: I gotta um, this me.
2: Personally, I think if you're looking at it right now, I get the projection. It's Kenneth Murray to me. Yeah. like it, it, It's yeah. Kenneth Murray say, because yeah. you traded up, gave up capital to get a linebacker who currently is, we're not big fans of. Um, could get better Ray. for sure. Um, but in terms of you know Tom Telesco, like like Jerry Tillery, they needed to get after you know Brady, Mahomes, and all that in the playoffs. Back when Brady was a Patriot, and uh, so I, I get Jerry Tillery for them. Fluker, they needed a lineman really bad, and hey, you know Telesco joined the team. The line was awful, and he said, "Look, we got to get a lineman for Philip Rivers." And so I at least understand that trading up into the first round for an off-ball linebacker
3: is rough. Yeah, and... I, I think it's Kenneth Murray by far, the more i thought about it. Um, Jerry Tillery has been bad, but, I mean, he was kind of end of the first round. They didn't really give up anything to go get him like they did with Kenneth Murray. Um, and then they compounded the Kenneth Murray thing by going after Joshua Kelly as their first pick on day three. Wow. Um so yeah, that's that's the stinkiest of the bunch by far. Man, AJ I have more Smith. hope. AJ It'll Smith work. had some real
1: stinkers in the first round, man.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Craig that's Davis nice. in the
1: first round, <laughs> Antoine Cason, Larry English. Corey, Corey Legit. But Corey Legit was at least like okay. He was fine, like, he was, he was but fine. <laughs> Oof. Sammy Davis. I don't even know who that is. Oh, then he had LT, so, I mean, like.
3: Yeah. His Herbert.
1: (laughs) His Lord and Savior. Yeah, his Lord and Savior. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, and because we don't, like, fully know if Kenneth Murray pans out or not, I'll say Melvin Gordon is the worst first-round pick for for Telesco so far. Mm -hmm. Again, traded up for a running back. Running back. Didn't hit a second round. (laughs) Didn't hit a second contract for you. Only had one 1,000 yard season. Like everybody always talks to me about like Ryan Matthews being worse than Melvin Gordon. And Ryan no. Matthews had two 1,000 yard seasons, Melvin Gordon only had one. So I think for now, I'll say Melvin Gordon until we really know about Kenneth Murray. And people will say Varet, yeah. and I get that. Yeah. But that was an injury thing. Like if Varet right. had ever been healthy, he would have been a premier corner in this league. And we saw. Mm -hmm. what that was like, at least for the two seasons, he was healthy. Yeah, I know Verrett. peak Verrett was some of the best corner play I've ever seen. Yeah. All right, so we'll take uh, one more question here. So uh, make Make it a a good good one, one, and then (laughs) we'll uh, head out for the day. So if you've been dying to ask us a question, if we missed your question, uh, hit us up right now. Uh, yes, Christian Dwayne Haskins did pass away today. Very, very tragic situation. Okay. Favorite Girl Scout cookies.
3: <laughs>
1: what is it? The they changed the name, but uh, they used to be called the Samoas. The, yes, like, those are my chocolate, favorite. Chocolate, well. caramel, coconut ones. Those are the best mm-hmm. ones. Are they tagalongs, or is that the? I think tagalongs are the peanut butter
3: ones.
2: How the are they called out? But yeah, the samoas or whatever, those are
3: delicious. Girl Scout cookies are overrated. Um and <laughs> I'm just you can't going to Grinch. <laughs> Girl Scout cookie, you come to your workplace, you make people buy your daughter's cookies. I don't know. As it, it just seems kind of like a Ponzi scheme to me. Um, but no, I I just don't think the cookies are very good either. They're kind of overrated. I mean, I'd rather just like go get some go get some cookies from like the store or something.
2: What's your go-to cookie then, Alex? Ooh.
3: I, I think Oreo is, yeah. Those are, that's the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Chips Ahoy on certain days. but Chips Ahoy oh, yeah. are not better than Girl Scout cookies. Bro. Chips Ahoy is better than Girl Scout cookies. It, 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 Girl Scout cookies are not good. Caramel okay, Delights. Samoas are
1: you. called the Caramel Delights. Okay.
3: Oh, right. okay. Okay. <laughs> I knew I was going to get ratio for that one. Uh, they're, not very, I, they're just not very good. I don't know.
2: I've worked with kids for about 10 years now. <laughs> and so listen, like, like girls Scout cookies a lot. They're like, Hey, do you want to buy girl scout cookies? Or you just be like, no,
0: there's,
2: um, a, there's these like popcorn. Like they have a different thing. It's not girl scout. It's for, like guys, baseball or whatever. They have, you can buy like kettle corn or popcorn or whatever. I'm like, would you like to buy some kettle corn for my team? It's like, oh yeah, sure, dude. What am I going to say? No. I'm like, okay, it's fourteen dollars for this bag of popcorn. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>
3: do I lose weight with this?
1: Oh my
2: gosh. Oh
3: god.
1: Oh, we got a super chat. Thank you, Bart. Oh, just a sticker. All right. Oreos are, all- are vegan. Yeah. No way. People,
3: pe- people are asking to deport me. I'm already out of the country, so you can't, you can't do that boy scout kettle corn <laughs> it's so nasty i mean it's fine but it's not 20 dollars of my life yeah i will say boy scout kettle corn is definitely like there's 50 feet of shit after girl scout cookies and then there's boy scout kettle corn <laughs> so yeah
2: ding dong yo ding dong anybody get that reference
3: uh oh, yeah. I didn't know Oreos were vegan. That didn't really come into my consideration when I said they were the best cookie, but um, that's great, I guess.
1: (laughs) All right. How about some
2: football questions, everybody?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chorizo asked asked us who's the best on the grill. Do you guys grill very much? I grill. I don't know about you guys. No. When I have a house
3: with a grill, I'll grill. Otherwise, I'm cooking them ribeyes in a pan. (laughs) i i don't have a grill because i don't have a house i have an air fryer um that's pretty good i'll throw i'll throw a piece of chicken or beef in there at some points um no i'm not i'm not i'm not bougie enough for a grill i i live in a third world country i don't have a dryer uh i mean i just dry my stuff on the porch i i you know (laughs) i it's not a great situation i definitely don't have a grill so by default i am the best griller because i'm the only
1: one who grills. yeah Grills. but come on, it would have been you anyway. I'm pretty sure. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't I, mean uh, it like that. I don't mean <laughs> to like
2: Alex's reaction. <laughs> just saying. I, I yeah. mean,
1: <laughs> so I we were in thanks. We were in Utah for Thanksgiving this year, and uh, I hate ham. Like, I I'm not a big yeah. ham guy at all, and that's always like the go-to Thanksgiving thing in my family. So I asked my parents. I was like, Hey, can I grill a tri-tip this year and just like mix it up? and everybody ate my tri-tip and nobody ate the ham and i was like hell yes let's
3: go that's good yeah that's nobody solid. nobody likes ha- ham's is there yeah i'm not a big ham guy no. you can't do anything with
2: it other than, yeah. like put some honey on glaze on it and that's how you get honey big ham it's not
3: a versatile it's not a versatile meat late day 3 pick yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the
1: jerry tillery of yeah
2: fats the
3: larry Facts. roundtree of meats
1: All right. Final question here. Uh, Pause, Teresa. Big pause there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Final question here. Superchargers 2197. What three positions must the Chargers address with their first five picks? Tyler, go first. Crap.
3: Okay. uh... First. Well, first
2: 5 picks, it's, I don't know. It's, so, yeah. wait,
3: is first 5 saying the 1st, the 3rd, 4th, 5th and the fifth. first okay. Yeah. So, um, I
0: think he's like
1: he, I think he's giving you some wiggle room. I I, I think he just mm-hmm. wants to know like the three positions that you need to have okay in the first 5 picks as opposed to like you know, an order or anything like that. Okay. Uh
2: corner, tackle, safety. Uh, I'm hoping that Bougie's back as guard. So corner tackle safety for me.
3: Ooh. Uh hmm I don't think need corner. I'll go tackle. Hmm. Tackle actually yeah, tackle corner. And if we're extending this to the sixth round with the first five picks, I'll actually say running back too uh because they they don't have a running back they they don't have a running back right now behind eckler and i don't think they can go into the season with their current situation so i'll just say like in those first five picks i do think they probably need to take a running back i actually agree with you
1: alex i i was gonna say nice offensive tackle running back and edge i think those are the those are edge i'm such an idiot Yeah, yeah yeah i forgot about edge too but I do I do Seven I chargers. do think I do think that safety is a big need, Tyler, as well. So I think we're on the same page there. All right. So that's gonna do it for us today, guys. Uh we're gonna be going live on Monday for our interior offensive line rankings. <clears throat> Excuse me, voice is cracking up again. All right, so uh, that's gonna be happening on Monday. We'll let you know exactly what time that is. Uh we really appreciate all of you guys. Uh, tuning in this Saturday morning so hopefully you enjoyed uh Steven do you make Utah jello I hate jello Jello is one of my <laughs> least favorite things in the world uh, Is
3: is Utah is Utah jello a thing
1: is that like their regional specialty Yes unfortunately Utah is very well known for their jello um uh, <laughs> in, including this nasty <laughs> thing that Brooke loves it's called pretzel jello and I hate it So yeah Utah oh. is one of the worst food states in the country, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I regret it every time I go
3: and, and eat at Utah
1: events because there's always just nasty food.
3: I just imagine like you have New York pizza, South Carolina barbecue, Utah <laughs> Jello. <laughs> yeah,
1: so the the two the two things that Utah is most well known for for food purposes are Jello and this thing called funeral potatoes, which are like cheesy and potatoes with like frosted flakes on top
3: yeah that that correlates what? With the, that correlates with racial, <laughs> it, both of those things you, funeral funeral potatoes correlates with the racial demographics of utah very well it does it does <laughs>
1: can confirm can confirm oh. uh, no obviously there are great there are great things you know food-wise but like in terms of like the staples of utah food man it's it's just not it's not great the
3: staples of utah food
1: <laughs> Jello yes, and frosted flakes, like a flakes covered
2: yes. potatoes.
1: Yeah, what the hell is weird. wrong with you guys? I, listen, happened? this was far before my time. Okay, it's like I, I'm not the one who chooses <laughs> these things.
2: Like what stoners are in Utah? Just like mm, shit. I need something for my potatoes. Hey, <laughs> Get me the Cheerios. <laughs> no, you know what it is, Matt. You know what it is, man.
1: We don't. We don't do those things. So we need the sugar. So everything is sugar based. <laughs> jeez oh my god like fucking elf over here just like
3: put the syrup and everything on your spaghetti like come on funeral potatoes is just like the most depressing thing i've ever heard i'm sorry why are they called that I we're not ending the like show that. Why? Are they because they kill
0: potatoes?
1: you <laughs> I think that's how they started at, at funerals I don't know but uh, I've actually never had them at a funeral I've had them more at like weddings and like church events and things like that so I don't know why they're called funeral potatoes that's just what they're called
3: <laughs> that's Utah
1: <laughs> listen I moved out of Utah for a reason guys <laughs>
3: Yeah. I, I think i think if we ever have like a live live draft par- or, well like a like a party where we all get together with the fans i think stephen has to bring like a like a tray sized thing of his famous utah jello like he has to <laughs> he has to make it for everyone <laughs> oh my gosh
1: funeral pettings at a wedding yeah it is sad it's a it's a very weird thing again utah food dynamics are are weird all right we talked about girl scout cookies <laughs> any other utah, utah food delicious. related questions
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, okay i have a question about utah while we're still on the show oh anymore um wh- oh why goodness. so many um escape rooms and when i pulled up at salt lake city there was like 14 escape rooms and the person that was our taxi driver it was like here's all our escape rooms
1: and one was like this giant black haunted castle i'm like what where am i yeah so utah is huge on trends and like whenever a trend pops up it's like everybody tries to hop on that trend so like obviously you know the the thing about one of the things about you know lds mormon the religion is that we're not supposed to drink coffee so like five or six years ago these people started popping up soda shops so like you go and you get like uh, you know like it's almost sonic-esque where you can get a soda and mix it with anything and so now when you drive through Utah, there's like soda shops all over the place.
3: Are there people who like have substituted soda for coffee? So, like at 8 a.m. or oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: My dad, my dad drinks a Diet Coke every single morning with his breakfast.
3: That's disgusting. I know I'm it is. Sorry. <laughs> that's I know. gross. It's,
1: it's super weird. <laughs> Does I, the spice I, aisle exist like, in Utah?
3: <laughs> and also, like, I don't know if that's by Mormon law. Like, that's objectively unhealthier for you (laughs) to drink a coke in place of a coffee
1: (laughs) yes it's a it's a a huge thing so anyways that's that's why like the escape room is so popular because it's like one guy came up with it did a couple chains and it like did really well and so other business owners are like let's just do another escape room so yeah alex what do you eat where you are
2: like what you guys just like spearfish or what are you doing (laughs) spearfish
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean my stuff is pretty like American stuff. It's the same stuff in the supermarket. Um, no, I, I mean I eat like I eat Subway for lunch every day most of the time. So I, I don't know. It's it's different on campus as opposed to like living on the actual island. But I don't know. I don't know what they eat there. Very cool. <laughs> Not Utah Jello. I, I don't think there's any Utah Jello here for the record i do drink coffee i like coffee so
1: wow a little sinner over here i know <laughs> i know but at least i don't drink a diet coke every day with my breakfast God.
3: <laughs>
1: or i'm
0: telling just-
1: you guys utah is such a weird place like it's a miracle that i'm so normal because i grew up in utah
3: it's a miracle that you're alive i mean <laughs> <laughs> like imagine just going to like ihop or like a regional breakfast place and being like yeah i want pancakes bacon and toast and i, I want soda <laughs> like, yeah with <laughs> frosted flakes on them
2: if the chargers draft Devin lloyd i want to have utah jello whatever the dead <laughs> potatoes are and dead or- potatoes <laughs> The diet coke
1: with your bills. with your pancakes. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think whatever first round pick, whatever state or college they're from, I want to have the food that's known in that state. So if it's Devin well, Lloyd,
1: Devin Lloyd grew up in San Diego. Can we have San Diego food instead? That's amazing. Just yeah, give it's me a convenient. California burrito instead. There you go. <laughs> um. But yeah, Utah's... Why
2: are you... Guys, there's 130 of you still watching.
1: Why are
3: you still here? (laughs) We we spend more time talking about Girl Scout cookies and Utah food than we did DeAndre Carter. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) My God.
1: Why should someone visit Utah? I think if you like nature and mountains, it's a great place to be and visit.
2: Yeah, my fiance and I, we did go to Park City, Utah, snowboard a little bit. Take advantage of the nature that's there. Just don't talk to anybody. <laughs> Welcome to Utah.
1: Welcome to Utah.
3: If you like the Mitt Romney's carpet bagging, then you <laughs> love Utah. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. Next time we'll next time we'll rant about New Jersey or Philadelphia and we'll, we'll get some insight there. All right. Uh I I gotta go. So we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks so much to the 130 of you that's tuned into <laughs> my ranting about
0: Utah. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Bye, guys. (laughs) Fuck.